Before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. I want to enlarge your view of the Messiah and his ministry. And we're going to use the Shabbat's Haftorah as a focal point. And we're referring to the Haftorah um, that is used on the eight-day Passover schedule. There's a schedule for eight days in the diaspora and seven days in Israel and seven days also with Reform Judaism. But our readings this Shabbat are based on the eight-day Passover schedule. And we're going to start in the Haftor portion that begins Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, and I'll, I'll use a variety of translations trying to capture the essence, but a branch will emerge from the trunk of Yeshai or from the trunk of Jesse. A shoot will grow from his roots. Now, there's another translation that puts it like this. I, I like it a little more. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And then it continues in verse 2, the spirit of Adonai will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will be inspired by his awe of Adonai. He will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but he will judge the poor, the impoverished, justly. He will decide fairly for the humble of the land. He will strike the land with a rod from his mouth and slay the wicked with a breath from his lips. Then in verse 5, justice will be the belt around his waist, faithfulness, the sash around his hips. And then verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the kid, calf, young lion, and fattened lamb together with a little child to lead them. And so I just want to point out or highlight a, a few points, justice for the poor, equity for the lowly, the wolf living with the lamb, the leopard lying down with the kid, the calf, the young lion, the, the uh, fattened lamb all together. This is, this is a change, no doubt, that is yet to come. Verse 7, cow and bear will feed together. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. An infant will play on a cobra's hole. A toddler put his hand in a viper's nest. They will not hurt or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. Now, because of that last phrase, on my holy mountain, some Jewish sages have thought that this means that the transformation of the nature of all these animals only takes place in the land of Israel. And uh, that remains to be seen. But what's very clear and understood by Jewish teachers everywhere 
is that this is a passage about Messiah and about the time of Messiah and the age of Messiah. And, and it keeps going and it says, the earth will be as full of the knowledge of Adonai as water covering the sea. Well, for sure, that's not yet the case. The earth is not yet full, that full of the knowledge of the Lord. Verse 10. And this is, I think, of particular interest to those of us in the Messianic movement. In that day, the root of Jesse, which stands as a banner for the peoples, the Goyim, the Gentiles, the nations, they will seek him out and the place where he rests will be glorious. So here in Isaiah, here in the Jewish prophet Isaiah's uh, Haftorah portion that is being read in so many Jewish communities all over the world this weekend, it says this, that the nations, the, uh, the Goyim, the Gentiles will seek him out. In fact, in part, we see that already. We see that in the Messianic movement and in the world at large. Let's keep going. Chapter 12, verse 2. It says, see or behold, look, God is my salvation. I'm confident and unafraid for the Lord, Hashem, Ya'adonai, it says in, in the Hebrew, or Yad Hashem, is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Or you could say it, it's not great English, but it's good Hebrew, he has become to me salvation, or he has become to me Yeshua. I think that's a very interesting way of rendering it in English. Verse 3, and then you will joyfully draw water from the springs or the wells of salvation. And in that day, in that day, you will say, give thanks to Adonai, call on his name, make his deeds known among the peoples and declare how exalted is his name. Now, all of that is in the Haftor portion for this week that we will um, refer again to on Saturday and many synagogues all over the world will be reading that. Some will be on a different schedule. But it's such an important passage and, and it's unequivocally about Messiah. And it speaks of things that are yet to come. Now let's look at an earlier passage in Isaiah, which also is a messianic prophecy. It's Isaiah chapter two, verse four, and it says of Messiah, and then he will judge between the nations and he will arbitrate for many peoples. Or some translations say something like that, like this. He will settle difficult disputes between many people groups. And they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer take up the sword against nation, nor train anymore for war. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you confirm that this has not yet happened? That we are still waiting for that, that we're looking for that, because it hasn't yet happened. That that the wars between nations and people groups have come to an end. I think every one of us is fully aware of that fact, that this is yet to come. So I want you to think about this. This is a prophetic word about the work of Messiah, 
in the ministry of Messiah, as we just read earlier uh, in the Haftor portion about some of the ministry and the work of Messiah that is still yet to come. And so I want to, I want to describe this as the unfinished work of Messiah, that this helps us think about the unfinished work of Messiah. Now, let me connect that idea with two very common ideas. One is a common Jewish idea, and the other one is a common Christian idea. The common Jewish idea, it's, it's very, very popular in modern Jewish thought. It's this, that Messiah will fulfill all these things that we read about, and since they have it all happened, then Yeshua, who we claim is the Messiah, must not be the Messiah. In fact, as, as a young person, a Jewish young person, that's how I understood Messiah. Messiah will bring world peace. And that is correct. Messiah will bring world peace. But the idea, if we don't have world peace yet, then Messiah has never come. Well, that is not exactly right. You see, Messiah will fulfill. He will bring into fulfill, to fullness all of these things, but it will take two different times. Messiah comes twice, not once. That's very important for us to understand that there is yet another coming of Messiah. Now, there's another Christian idea. It's sort of a theological idea that's permeated a lot of Christianese. And it says something like this. Jesus Christ accomplished everything on the cross. And when he said, it is finished, it was, and that's that. And that's all you need to know. And that's all you need to believe. And I just want to say, that's not exactly right. You see, Messiah did accomplish everything on the cross that was meant to be accomplished on the cross. Namely, that he gave his life as a substitute sacrifice for all of us. He gave his life to atone for us. And he did accomplish that on the cross. But there was more for him to accomplish. I'm going to name a few things that I think are just self-evident. He needed to accomplish the resurrection. His resurrection was a demonstration of the victory of God over death and sin. And it was necessary for him to rise from the dead. That's an essential part. Not only to die as an atonement, but to rise from the dead. His ascension, his return to heaven, now, ascension is a word uh, some modern believers don't even know what it means. If you come from certain Christian backgrounds, you may know. But ascension means his return to heaven after um, he was resurrected. Yeshua's return to heaven. He returned to heaven so that he could send the promise of the Holy Spirit. That was one more thing that he needed to do. So he accomplished on the cross what he needed to accomplish on the cross. He accomplished through his resurrection what he needed to accomplish through his resurrection. He accomplished via his ascension and his return to heaven what was necessary. And he returned to heaven, he said, so that he could send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, he did accomplish that, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was begun on Shavuot in Jerusalem right after uh, that 
resurrection and ascension of Yeshua. But it's also been continuing. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit continues even in this day. So all of these things that were mentioned by Isaiah that we've looked at already are, are very important. And, and those things that we went through from the Haftor and also about nations beating their swords into plowshares and not training for learning war uh, anymore. These are things that are part of the ministry of Messiah, but they have not yet been accomplished. So they are part of the incomplete work of Messiah. And what do we do with this incomplete or this unfinished work of Messiah? This is what I want to, to focus on right now. This is how I see it. We open our hearts for what Yeshua still wants to accomplish, for what is yet to come. We set our hearts on that and we work for that. And you might ask this question, even though these things won't be fulfilled until Messiah returns. You see, there's another attitude that some people have, and that is that if these things will not be brought into completion until the return of Yeshua, then there's nothing for us to do. It's kind of a fatalistic and defeatist point of view. And, and I don't agree with it. I think that part of the good news is that you and I can become people who represent the good news by embracing that which God has already accomplished through Messiah and that which is still to come and allowing that to be in our hearts. You see, when we put these things in our hearts, we can do even more than that. We can teach our children to yearn for this. And this is part of the good news. And when, when you learn to do this, when you learn to take these things into your heart, I, I want to tell you that you'll be able to connect with more kinds of people who also are yearning for this. You'll be able to understand people who have suffered through the ravages of war. You'll be able to minister to people who, whose lives reflect the brokenness of this world that we're currently living in. You'll also be able to make decisions that I believe can have an impact on your family and the generations to come. Now, whether you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah or whether you don't, the decisions that you make when, when they are being somehow led by the Lord, and this is maybe a surprise to you, God can lead uh, all kinds of people, including those who don't even know him or don't yet recognize him. Now, that's not the same thing as them repenting and dealing with their sin and so forth. I'm not talking about that. Don't get confused. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But God can, can bring good into people's lives, whether they understand all that God has done through Messiah Yeshua. The decisions that you make now can have an impact on future generations that's absolutely profound. And I was contemplating this because recently I was I was uh, communicating with some of my siblings about uh, my grandfather, and I always thought of him 
um, my mother's father, as having been born near Lvov or Lviv, as if as its uh, name now in Ukrainian English, if you will. If you're watching television at all, or if you're getting news reports, you're familiar with Lviv and how it's an important transit point for Ukrainian refugees who are then going uh, across the borders into other countries in order to find safety. And I always thought of my grandfather as having been from the area nearby. And in fact, he was. But that area has changed hands so many times. And when his family left that area, it was part of Austria. The, later, my grandfather would say it was part of Austria-Hungary or the Austria-Hungarian Empire. But there were other times when it was part of Poland, like it is now, when it was part of Ukraine, or when it was part even of uh, Germany and, and part of their rule. And it, it's just been through many different periods. And so I was I was looking that up and just reading about it, and it got me thinking about my grandfather and my great-grandfather. Now, my grandfather was brought here when he was just two years old. And according to the Ellis Island records, um, he came in, I want to say, 1910. And he was born in 1908. So he's just uh, two years old when he came. But he was brought here by his father, who was named David, David Pollard. And so I'm, I'm named after him. So is my older brother, my only brother. Uh, Mark Levine, is his middle name is David. My parents weren't sure that they would have any more boys. So they gave uh, my great-grandfather's name as uh, a middle name for my brother. And then when I was born, I like to joke, I got a hand-me-down name. I got my brother's middle name, but I, it was my great grandfather's name. So I'm named after my great-grandfather. But sometimes I joke that uh, my family was so poor they couldn't uh, afford a middle name, but that wasn't really the case. So I bear my great-grandfather's name, and that's something that I've been contemplating recently. And I've been thinking about this. He made a decision to bring his family from that part of, uh, of, of the world to America. And what, did, what, what stimulated that decision? One part was that there had been pogroms, there had been uh, attacks against Jewish people in Kishinev in uh, 1903, if I remember right. And it, it was terrible. The, the number of Jews who died and hundreds of Jewish women were raped. It was just a terrible experience. And as word got out about that, Jewish people in other parts of the world nearby began to change their point of view. And many of them decided it's time to go. And some of them came to America. That's what my great grandfather did. So he made a decision to come to America and to bring his family. And it was quite a difficult decision. It was hard to come here and to, to come and to try to learn a new language and a new culture and to be in such a difficult time and to come also at a time when, when uh, refugees from 
Eastern Europe and Central Europe, when Jewish refugees and and certain other ethnic groups also at that time were um, were considered low class people. And so there was a lot of prejudice and a lot of discrimination that they had to deal with, they had to face. But here's the result. That decision meant something. It meant that my grandfather grew up in America. It meant that my mother was born in America. It meant that I was born in America. Our, our children, our great, our grandchildren are here. Um, it changed the future for so many generations because my great-grandfather made a very difficult decision, a hard decision, and, and went into this unknown place with little help and support, but look at what the result is for me. And this is what I was giving thanks. Because of this, my immediate family escaped from some of the, the great terrors of the Russian Revolution in 1917. Of, uh, they escaped from the time of the Holocaust. They escaped from the, the period of the, um, Soviet Union, and my family grew up here. I'm not saying it was easy for us, but I can tell you that all those things that they escaped from were so hard. But here's the thing. Nobody knew they were going to happen. Nobody knew the future like that. And not only that, but my great-grandfather, he didn't know that his little boy would grow up and have a little girl, my mother. He didn't know who my mother would marry, a Levine. He hadn't been born, Bert Levine. He didn't know that I would be born. He didn't know that any of uh, my siblings would be born or any of our children or, or grandchildren. He didn't know any of that. And yet, his decision profoundly affected us. And I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking, Lord, thank you that he didn't make that decision. Thank you, Lord, that he made a decision that blesses me even now. And I'm so grateful for that. I could tell you more stories about that. But um, I just wanted to tell you that what may seem like a small decision or a hard decision or even an impossible decision that you make now, when you make it with some virtue and some vision and some hope and maybe some faith as well and some confidence that maybe God will help you through all of this, when you do that, it can impact others who you can't even imagine. You don't even know that they will exist because it's beyond your present reality and your future. And I am so grateful to my great-grandfather, David Pollard, for that decision and for the blessing that it's brought to me. So there was something in his heart that really turned out to be a blessing to me 
that I give to, to my family? What about this idea of that this future that nations won't be warring against nations and that the lion and the lamb will be at peace together and, and that um, there's going to be a change coming. What, what do we do with that? I tell you what I am doing with that. I'm trying to keep it in my heart and to yearn for the times when nations beat their swords into plowshares. That has not been completed or fulfilled, of course. But we pray for it now and we cry now over those who are suffering because of war now. We cry now because of the suffering of, of um, so many people throughout Ukraine and in Crimea and, and, and the refugees as well. We're, we're praying and, and crying over family and friends who are going through these agonizing times. And we're saying, Lord, let it be that the decisions that we make now and in the times to come prove to be a blessing that passes on to generation after generation beyond what we could possibly imagine. As we do this, as we take this in our hearts, as we pray, as we, as we cry, as we suffer together, and as we rise up together, then we see that there is more good to come. There's more good to come. Don't fall for the bad news that some people are hoping for and they're speaking of. Of course, there's bad news. But what are we given? We are given the good news. And we're given it not so that we can be Pollyannish or, or optimistic in a false way, but so that we can endure and we can pass on what is in God's heart and what is in Messiah's heart that he yet wants to do. We are called to, to bring hope to the hopeless and to help through the decisions we make to show compassion and hope and faith and, and care to those who are troubled and, and in great difficulty now. We're called to do that, to serve with generosity. Now, when we, when we get these things in our heart, then it also helps us have a, have a very important perspective about diversity in our community, the diversity in the Messianic community, the diversity at, at Beth Israel is meant for a purpose to give us opportunity to practice treating each other differently than the world does, to show respect and love and care and concern and compassion for all our different kinds of people. And to not allow the walls in the world to come into our community and not allowing the world's divisions to separate us. It is hard work. It's not easy. And I want to tell you this, it is prophetic and it's powerful if you try to keep this in your heart. No one said it would be easy, if I can quote Willie Nelson, or I can actually cite Chris Martin and Coldplay who, who wrote together the, the song. No one said it would be easy. Nobody said it would be this hard. Well, I want to tell you these times are hard.
this hard. That's the reality, and I have to be honest with you. But when we recognize that they are this hard, we can also recognize that our God, through our Messiah, still plans to do more than we ask or imagine. Beth Israel will need your continued goodwill, your continued prayer and financial support, your continued commitment to serve as we move through this period. Our work as a community is not finished. It's not complete. There's much to be done. This is a time of great challenge, and it will demand much from all of us. And if we find our way, as we have in the past, by seeking the Lord and depending on his profound love and his care and his leadership, then we can move forward and we will continue to move forward. And we'll continue to say Kadima as we go step by step, as we go ma'at ma'at, little by little forward into the good plans that God declares that he has for us. Now, I hope today that you can allow good news to really settle in your heart, even though everything around us and many of our years have been filled with difficulty. But maybe today is a time for you to recognize Yeshua. Maybe something clicked for you. Maybe you thought Yeshua couldn't be the Messiah because everything that you know about Messiah has not yet been accomplished. But I can tell you there is some unfinished work for Messiah. There is the most profound work that he has completed, and there is yet more good work for him to complete. So if if today, if tonight is a time where you recognize, wow, I get it now, then I encourage you to take a position about that and be explicit and say to yourself, this is really good news. The truth of what God has done and Yeshua's atoning sacrifice that substitutes for me in the sin penalty that I could never pay. It's really true that, that God loves us and that he, Yeshua, the Messiah, was resurrected from the dead and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is real. And when all of us, Jewish and those from all nations, um, can recognize that God brings us together and he calls us to learn to love each other and to allow his love to be the model for our love. With all of our diversity, with all of our differences, learning to accept each other's value before God and not allowing the walls of the world to separate us in the body of Messiah. You know what? Then we can say, thank you, Lord, for our redemption. Thank you, Lord, for our freedom. Thank you, Lord, for our gathering. Dayenu, it would have been enough. But thank you, Lord, also for your unfinished work and all that is ahead. We wait for you, Lord, and we wait with you. And we will serve, Lord, that which you've spoken about prophetically that is yet to come. So from Sandy and me and the whole Beth Israel team, the Beth Israel Mishpacha and the sanctuary that gathers on Saturday, everyone who's at home right now via live stream on Friday night, everyone listening in your car at any time or at work via Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast, we want to wish you a blessed and a happy Passover. And if our ministry is a blessing to you, would you consider 
blessing our ministry by standing with us financially. You can find out all the information on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. So let me close with Aaron's blessing, the Yivarechecha, Yivarechecha Adonai, V'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai, Panavelecha V'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai, Panavelecha V'yisemlecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and may he favor you with all of his grace. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. So from Sandy and me, from the Korshans, from all of the Beth Israel team, we say Shabbat Shalom.